How's it going, Ryan? Good up at yourself. I'm doing all right. Alex, I'm drawing a blank right now. Are you a new person or somebody that's been part of the group for a while? Yeah, brand new. Brand new. Awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, be interested to see what the turnout looks like for the meet. Uh, it seems like as it gets colder out, there's less people. But I was also talking to somebody recently, and they think that uh, there's a lot of Zoom burnout. I mean, there's a lot of other platforms people are using, but they just said that there's a lot of Zoom burnout. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, with the amount of virtual conferences and stuff that are going on, it can get to be a little much, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're definitely early and plus there's usually give it a few minutes for more people to show up too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Hi right, guys. I was checking my camera, so okay. Vicus? Is that correct? Yes. Vicus. Yeah. Vicus, yep. okay. I always find it interesting how um the location it says where people are at seems like it's not where they usually are and it actually is different from time to time for people which i find interesting i don't know why that is but because usually when we kind of go around and introduce ourselves and you know hey who are you or you know where are you from um i usually mm -hmm. introduce them by whatever it says like Ames, iowa or mason city iowa and they're like um i'm nowhere near that area but some of the regular it changes locations and I have absolutely no clue on why it changes locations. There are a couple of things actually. Uh, so they try their best to you know obtain your location. So uh, sometimes they use an IP. Sometimes if uh, your computer has GPS, they use that. So based on the best algorithm they can do, they figure out a location. And most of the time it's kind of right, but sometimes they do mess up, yeah. Okay. Well, we know Kevin is in Britt, Iowa. That is that is correct. Is that home of the home? We'll make it there sometime. <laughs> yes, that that is uh, our big claim to fame. Please feel free to join anytime. I think my brother actually said there is a is, a, is like a movie or documentary. And they talk. They either talk a lot about Iowa in there, or somehow that's what alluded him towards. Like you should. I I suppose it's something that everyone could experience once. Uh, <laughs> when we were kids, and there were carnival rides and things, that that was fun. Yeah. Okay. I may have to look up what exactly the definition of a hobo is too. Um, because I know something that my mom used to live close to the train tracks uh, when she was younger, and they used to have a lot of uh, people that were, you know, jumping off trains to mm -hmm. you know, come there for, for food and things like that. They have some kind of marking system. So apparently once you've been marked as a generous person, then all the people that are jumping off the trains know how to get to your house, whatever the markings are. Yes. But... That's how I learned about tramp art, which 
is an actual like interesting thing. And I think some of it's actually worth quite a bit of money, but it's, it's like hobo art, <laughs> what they can make from, she has, because she actually has a few things that are like uh, furniture made from cigar boxes. Okay. But you, you do what you can and make what you can with whatever's laying around in the area. So it, it's very resourceful. Yeah, I was going to say, in some ways, it would fit in with minimalism and phi, probably. I, I hadn't really stopped to think about that. Yeah. Well, being six o'clock, I'm curious how many people we have joined tonight. I was uh, anticipating maybe 10-ish, maybe up to 15, but is what it is. Anybody got anything interesting before we start or interesting random things? There's Dave, life of the party. <laughs> well, welcome, Dave. Hey, Dave. That's quite the picture you have. I doubt that's Des Moines skyline. You're talking about this one behind me? No, Dave Dave has, I don't know what you guys see, but he's got like some looking down on the city and it's probably a large metropolitan area. Oh, I think we just lost him. Well, we'll start. We'll see what it, who all shows up. And if it, we call it early, we call it early. I mean, it's kind of one of those things, too, that uh, we do it the first Thursday of every month. And, you know, we've called some of them early, some of them going long. Uh, I still see lots of benefits of going in person, but there's also benefits of not going in person. But um, we'll just kind of go around and talk about things for a little while. Uh, I'm Ryan. I'm one of the co-founders of this group. Uh, we started a two, three years ago. And um, I have a, I live in Ankeny, uh, married with two kids, a 12-year-old and a six-year-old. And um, I've been interested in fire for a few years now, but lately it's been kind of moving more towards the, the purpose in life and things like that. Oh, we got Karen that's joining us too. Awesome. Uh, typically, we also have a question we start with, just kind of a an icebreaker. Hi, Karen. An icebreaker. And um, one that I thought of that I should have started with is uh, what is something you're doing this holiday season that you haven't done in the past, especially since the whole COVID situation and things like that? Um, I thought of the question, never really thought of the answer to it, but I really don't have an answer at the moment. I, I might circle back if I come up with something, but I know just being such a, such a unique year, but even like I was talking to a couple artists, and they just said, you know, with the uh, the vendor shows shut down and things like that, they said, we really don't have much of anything other than, you know, the basic living stuff. So they are making each other a, a Christmas gift. Right? That was just kind of what they decided. But they're like, that is that is literally our Christmas. So I, it's, it's nice, but then kind of sad. But then it also kind of makes you wonder, you know, why do we 
seem to think that Christmas is the time to spend a bunch of money anyway. Um, I know on my end of things, I really rarely ever buy anything and, and, uh, but I will say that you do see the sales. So that sometimes when if you do want to get something, I always wait till that time of year, but, um, really other than I'm sure we probably won't meet with our family, but that'll probably be a pretty common answer. A lot of people have, we probably won't go to my parents' house and everybody get together because old COVID thing. Um, that's probably the one real difference that I can think of. But I was hoping I would have a much better answer than that, or maybe we'll try some kind of streaming type thing for it. Uh, Alex, City, give the floor. Sounds good. Well, my name's Alex Breesmeister, as you guys can see. Um, I'm pretty new to the area, and so that's probably going to be one of the new things that I'm going to be doing. I mean, I'm I was originally from Hudson, Wisconsin, which is about three and a half hours north, and I just moved down here from work. So getting used to the area, trying to trying to get a feel for what's going on, and one of the new things that I'm going to be doing is traveling. I mean, our family all lived around that area, so for Christmas we all just kind of met up and and did our thing. Where this year we're we aren't going to be doing the whole virtual thing. We're all kind of isolating as much as we can and then going up there and just having a having a relatively normal Christmas. I think the only thing that's going to be slightly different is grandma isn't going to be there this year, which is disappointing, but I mean, you don't want to get her, get her sick or anything like that. So yeah. Thank you. Thanks for joining us too. Uh, Vikas and Ames. Thought we can't hear you. Knows you're unmuted, but you talked before, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Can I? Uh, can you guys hear me? No. Yes. Yeah, maybe the headphone is like not working very well. So yeah, so this Christmas actually, I'm planning to travel back to home country, India. I'm from India. I, I came to Iowa State, and I graduated two years before. And since then, I'm working with Research Park, uh, one of the companies, Research Park. So yeah, it's been long time since I've visited home, so I'll be going back even though I will be slightly more careful. But yeah, there are some things back home which need to be taken care of, so that's why I'm traveling. Yeah, so that's okay. pretty much. Okay. Will you have to quarantine when you get there? Yeah, sorry? Will you have to quarantine when you get there? I got a friend of mine that just moved back to Malaysia and said uh -huh. that, um, that was part of the got there and had to spend the first 14 days in a hotel, him and his wife. So I don't know if he anticipated that or not, but that was uh, what Malaysia is, one of Malaysia's rules. Right. right. So actually the rules are still, still one month ahead. So the rules are changing every day. So the best thing would be to take a COVID test, that's for sure, before like four days before. But yeah, after reaching there, uh, they're not uh, quarantining you in a hotel or something. They're uh, letting you home quarantine. Initially, it was at a hotel, which used to be really, really expensive because the hotels can charge how much they want. You have to stay there, right? So that was kind of really bad. So now I think they have uh, um, made it a bit relaxed and you can quarantine at home. Uh, so. I think, yeah, taking one COVID test, I should be able to sit on a flight and should be okay. Awesome, well, safe travels. Uh, yeah. Kevin, yeah. Kevin and Britt. 
Hi, Karen. Uh, yeah, my family did did the virtual thing for Thanksgiving, and I anticipate it'll be very similar for uh, Christmas. Uh, we have some. I have a cousin, uh, and she and her family actually were just in India teaching internationally for a few years, and now they're in uh, Myanmar, Burma. And uh, so as long as we time it right, we can do family Zoom calls uh, either early in the morning or late at night because they're about 12 hours difference from us. So, uh, and we can still see all them and get to meet their new kitten and, and those kinds of things, you know, just keeping in touch uh, the way that we can today. Makes sense. Awesome. I noticed we had a few extra people join us. So our icebreaker question for the night when we're kind of going around introducing each other is uh, what is something you're doing this holiday season that you haven't done in the past? If you can think of anything. Otherwise, just talk about whatever. Uh, Dave and Urbandale. I know Dave was having problems, it seemed like, before with his computer or something with the connection. So we can go back to you, Dave. Karen in Des Moines. Yeah, I'm actually in Ankeny, but hi, I'm Karen. Um, something different that we're doing as a result of COVID, I wouldn't say it's necessarily different, but it's something we're going to restart is I've got five kids from 15 to eight months, and we are going to do gingerbread houses, which is a very intense, takes like all day process, but I figure we're not going anywhere anyway, so why not? Wish me luck, everybody, because it's going to be a mess. <laughs> well, if nothing else, you're making memories. That's right. Whether good or bad. <laughs> uh, Joe in Urbandale. Can you hear me all right? Yep. All right. Well, uh, what was the question again? I, I, I kind of heard it earlier, but what was it okay. again? It was just, uh, what is something you're doing this holiday season that you haven't done in the past? Or restarting oh um that's a good question um basically i think it was a little more low-key we didn't uh hang out with as much family as as we have in the past so that that's been a little bit differently but i mean been hanging out with my my kids more so i think that's uh that's been good and bad in in, in different ways so one big difference now is we're doing the whole online school so yeah it's been a lot of at home time and uh, it's actually been kind of cool and, you know, but it's uh, also a little hectic around here, too. Yeah. Nick and Ames. Hello. Um, this will be our first Christmas as parents, so that's going to be a whole new ball game itself. So we'll, because really, I mean, as, as long as we've been together, uh, my wife and I, we've spent Christmas and Christmas Eve and stuff between the two families. Um, so this year we'll actually be at home Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. So that'll be different. And we'll get to watch the nine-month-old have fun with Christmas presents. And that's always a fun time to watch them with the, the little ones, watch them opening up presents. I remember that being just, it, you know, that was probably one of the best parts of Christmas is the excitement on their face of just the tearing open gifts and things like that. Yeah, I think he's at that. I think he's really going to enjoy just playing with the wrapping paper more than anything. Yeah, I definitely. I was going to say, Nick, I've got an eight month old, and we literally have wrapped the giant box that her next car seat came in because we know that 
she doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to take yep. advantage of that while I can. We'll stick yeah. her in the box and she can open and close the flaps and she'll be happily entertained. I like it. <laughs> Maybe just wrap a gift in a bunch of boxes and just kind of keep wrapping them and then they can kind of, it's a surprise down to a little thing. Dave and Urban, you were you able to get your audio figured out? If not, that's fine too. You might just be a wallflower tonight. Hey, Chris, in Des Moines. I don't know if you were on when we we were just doing the the usual introduction, and then we just kind of had an icebreaker question. I don't know if you heard the icebreaker question or not. I just got um, on. It was. Oh, okay. It was just, uh, what is something something you're doing this holiday season they haven't done in the past? Or something you're restarting? Um, does Thanksgiving count as the holiday season? Or are you talking Christmas, Thanksgiving, oh, yeah. New Year's? No, but it's kind of open. It's just trying to kind of, it's a nice breaker. It's, been, it's also making sure everybody's microphones work. Okay. I'll just say, yeah, we... Um, Thanksgiving, we're normally with the the extent with my family, which my family's pretty big, and then um, my wife's as well. And we we did actually just stay home, and it, so it's just me, my wife, and uh, we have one daughter who's fourteen, and she's kind of gotten into cooking, and she even has a culinary class at school, and so she did Thanksgiving for us, and she did the turkey stuffing mashed potato, I mean, the whole nine yards. And she picked what time she wanted to eat, which was 4.30. And again, I've never cooked anything other than like omelets and eggs and stuff. And, and she got all those things ready at 4.30. And so, yeah, so we were pretty impressed with that. So that'd be our new tradition. I don't know if it'd be a tradition. Hopefully we'll all be together next year, but. Yeah. So that was kind of oh, fun. Cool. And yeah, and she was pretty proud of herself. Oh, it should be a 14 year old preparing all that stuff and making it work. I've never done that. I probably should help my wife yeah, a little yeah. more with that, but uh, I've never <laughs> done that. <laughs> but I offer to help. That's the important part is I offer to help. But now yeah. she just does it and then now, now she'll the probably... question is when you offer to help, do you honestly try or is it one of those like I offered to help and then I intentionally messed it up, Ryan, so that I wasn't No, asked no, again. I would no, I would totally help. And it was one of these things like, hey, do you, like this, she's going to kill me for saying this when I say it anyway. Um, <laughs> so like this this Thanksgiving, um, I had to go outside and spray paint something. And I'm like, hey, do you need any help with this? It was kind of everything had been in there. She's kind of getting towards the end. Do you need help with this? I'm, otherwise, I'm going to run outside. She's like, oh, no, I got it. I got it and stuff. And all of a sudden I heard this loud sound. And I wasn't sure what exactly it was, but it was very different and kind of startling. And then my daughter, the you got to get in here. Get in your help. So um, my wife took a casserole out of the oven and set it on the stove, but she was boiling potatoes on the stove not long before that, and she forgot to turn the burner off. So I guess when you put uh, a broccoli and rice casserole and cheese casserole on a super hot stove, it actually explodes. So she's <laughs> like standing in the kitchen and it's like covered, her hands is covered in this, in the cheesy goo. The stove just like piled over and over the floor and stuff. She's like, I, I don't know what to do. Because I, she, she, she said I could feel a bunch of pain in my hand, but I couldn't tell what exactly it was. But I mean, it was glass shards everywhere. And it was, a, I mean, it was quite the mess. And it could have, it could have been really bad. And I'm like, 
why didn't you ask if you needed help? I thought you, you know, it's like, yeah, I was trying to do like three things at once. I'm like, I just asked you like 10, like 15 minutes ago, you know, if you, if you needed help, but it's like, oh, I thought at the time I had it, but yeah, it could have definitely been a very serious situation. And I can't believe how all the glass went where it went and it was a mess. I cleaned the whole mess up in the end because I felt really bad. But I, I told her a few times, like, you know, well, thankful she didn't get hurt, but just the, you know, you could have just said, hey, can you come in and help me for a few minutes? But yeah, I mean, I think she was because she couldn't tell if it was, um, and it ended up being, she, it blistered up or her thumb blistered up a little bit uh, from being burned from the hot cheese. But she thought it was like shards of glass because it literally like popped and blew up and it kind of went all over things. So, I mean, she's lucky to have a piece of glass in her eye. So that was definitely one thing that we were very thankful for. Um, but yeah. All right. Noted. No fresh out of the oven items on hot burners. Got it. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Well, just so we're not confused, Ryan, that's not a new tradition, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was my, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was my favorite broccoli and cheese uh, casserole that um, she, she makes every once in a while for me because someday I'll go into detail. This is my 20 year anniversary of not being dead, but um, we'll save that for another time. So I think she was kind of celebrating that a little bit too, but while I was celebrating it, she wanted to get something nice for me, but someday we'll share that story. Uh, who we got? Kim in Des Moines. Oh, we just stayed home and did some Zoom and Skype things with the family. Um, it was just really kind of nice to be home and have like our stuff and not have, I don't know, just everything was on our schedule and we did that and it's a little bit easier to clean up in our kitchen than my mother-in-law's. So it was just nice that everything was kind of done before we got started and yeah, but definitely miss being around everyone and kind of looking at Christmas and what we'll do there. My dad farms and my mom is working from home a little bit so I'm like maybe if you guys have two weeks alone then you could come down for Christmas since it's like the perfect Christmas year with yeah. half day Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday ah. but we'll see ah. yeah, definitely one of my wife's commented on that too just the whole how it she has those Thursday Friday after like the whole bit of time all together so it's nice when it lines up like that well, and I've heard from a lot of people, Kim, saying that it was kind of nice to have, it was a bummer to not see everybody, but it was really kind of nice to have that slower paced, get up, enjoy your own day kind of thing, too. I would agree with that, too. It's, it is nice to not have to get up in your parents' house and, you know, deal with some of that stuff. If you don't want to, I mean, it's nice to see people, but sometimes it's just, you know, you want to get up when you want to get up, not when you hear a bunch of people upstairs running around wanting you to get up kind of kind of time. Uh, Chris, we got another Chris. If you want to introduce yourself or anything, if not, that's totally fine, too. But let me take a moment and see if we got any new people. If anybody just jumped on too, feel free to introduce yourself. If you want to do the icebreaker, you can. If not, that's totally fine too. Okay. Well, really don't have 
format or agenda or anything like that for the night. So it's just kind of a open dialogue, what everybody's got on their mind, things to talk about. And when people don't talk, I'm sure I'll fill it in with random things. I'll try to keep them oh, I, somewhat. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I had I, I thought I was talking and my mute was oh. still. <laughs> um, okay. What was the icebreaker what people did for Thanksgiving? Oh, just kind of a, what's something that you've done this holiday season they haven't done in the past or that you redid that you haven't done in years? Um, I, I mean, we, I guess I was thinking about a lot of times for th about every other year for Thanksgiving, we ha go to my, um, well, it'd be my husband's aunt home and we have this huge thanksgiving gathering and she did not have it and my mother-in-law attempted a smaller gathering and um ended up being my 14 year old nephew and his dog so it was rather small <laughs> um as opposed to like 50 people just usually but there's been a lot of people who had covid in my in uh, my husband's family so yeah, it, it was all for the best, but I thought it was nice. It was the first time we'd been outside on Thanksgiving in quite some time. So that was nice. I remember my, our older son, who's 18, when he was a baby, that was a very mild Thanksgiving too. We hung out outside a lot that day. And, uh, but I, uh, that was like, the, it was probably even more mild than this year, but that was like, kind of like, like, oh, there's two really warm Thanksgivings that come to mind. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Does anybody have any topics to, to kick off with or questions? I was thinking about like what's something on your Christmas list? We usually try and do some experiences, but this year it seems like that's kind of limited or trying to decide what to do there and just not getting a bunch of stuff or what we can do for what's on your wish list for this year, I guess. Since so, sorry, Karen, go. I was going to say, since we can't really go anywhere right now, I've really been for like kids and other family members, I've been focusing on things that will allow them to like create something on their own time later, if that makes sense. So like I've got one kiddo that wants to build his own PC. So I'm buying things that relate to that to help him with that kind of goal. So hopefully he learns and then kind of creates something because you're right, we can't go anywhere, but at least by creating something, you're, you've got that experience of learning and doing something new. I know one thing that we're planning on doing this, I think will be the third year we've done it, is uh, if you've ever Googled the, was it called, like the White Elf, White Elf Envelope story, um, and read a little bit about that whole story and how that came about. My mom was telling us about that like three years ago and how great of a story it was. And the gist of it was, there's a whole story behind the whole thing, but the, the main theme behind it was um, doing something for someone else, like a total stranger, 
and then writing about what you did for that person. And then that's the gift to my parents. So then we put an envelope in the tree and then um, she absolutely loved the fact we did it. So then she encouraged all my uh, siblings to do the same thing. So that's kind of a theme too, that she's like, you know, instead of buying your dad and I stuff for Christmas, we just like you to just do something nice for someone and then um, tell us what you did. So, well, we'll I'm, do that. We haven't come up with what we're doing yet, but. You, you mentioned that, Ryan, and I feel like every year, this time of year, we get those stories that we hear about the Starbucks, like give it back chains or the person that stands in a, in a Walmart or a Target type of super center area and like pays for different people's like stuff just randomly. I kind of wonder with this environment, if we're going to hear those stories or if people are going to like pull back on their, their generosity that sometimes occurs this, this season. Has anybody heard anything in the news about stuff like that? I've heard about, um, people tipping, well, either $2,020 or $20 and 20 cents on very small, <laughs> you know, where, where you might've just bought a coffee or something. Um, I, I, where I work right now, there's a little mini, one of those, um, well, it had been a little library. It's a little food pantry. And I try to bring one or two things every day. I know it sounds kind of corny, but it's sort of a med to me, it's real meditative process. I think I feel like I don't know who gets this. I don't know exactly what they need, but I just try to find something I think somebody could utilize. And I usually just pick, I, I don't usually buy things specifically for it. I just pull something out of my pantry, but, but it's, 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 right, it's easy because it's always there, you know, it's, I walk by it when I walk in the building. So. I heard on the radio just uh, like a couple of days ago, and I don't remember the percentage, but they had a survey and they were talking about the amount of people that felt guilty for having a big Thanksgiving meal. Because it sounds like, according to what they were saying, there's a lot more people now that are going hungry or going with a lot less this year than in previous years. So I don't know how factual that part is, but I know that there was a high percentage of people that felt guilty for the fact they were able to enjoy this nice meal and knew that people around them weren't going to have that opportunity. Or, you know, there might be people that, you know, they get the, the only reason why they would get a large Thanksgiving meal is because they go to, you know, the, the larger gatherings or they, they go to places where they're able to, because I can see like, you know, my grandma, both my grandmas have passed away now, but one in particular, she there's no way she's gonna be able to make that kind of stuff. So the only way that she would enjoy a really good Thanksgiving would be by being invited to Thanksgivings. I know like my mom this year for Thanksgiving, she made a big Thanksgiving um, at her place and then she packaged things up and then brought it to people that would typically be at Thanksgiving. We didn't get anything, but um, like my grandpa and her her brother who's older, and, you know, just a, a few people, she just packed up a nice Thanksgiving meal and brought it to all of them. So that was, you know, generous to her, but she's just that way. 
you know, it's funny you mentioned it, Ryan. I did hear that the average cost, and of course, I'm not a big fan of averages. I much prefer the median amount, but was like $46.10, which why I remember the 10 cents. I don't know. But I did think that was interesting because that's a lot of money for people to individually spend on a big meal. And I did wonder exactly your point. Some people just don't have that capacity or they don't have any reason to if it's like them and one other person to do that they they don't want to or they don't have the resources to yeah if you've I know seen in the... any... keep going kevin go. okay if you've seen any of of the news coverage or like the feeding america commercials or, or things like that recently it seems like there are cities where people are waiting miles in their car trying to get access to food um, because of loss of job or like you said community thanksgivings that don't take place anymore whatever the case is that's interesting i guess so i'm guilty of not watching the news um because a lot of times i feel like it's just stuff that i it's just fear stuff like I, I don't want to hear it right now like life's hard enough as it is right so it's interesting that you mentioned that kevin thanks for sharing because i wasn't necessarily aware of it's yeah and trouble, but no and i totally get what you mean because there's a point where all of us please uh need to shut it off for our own mental health but i have seen and i I won't name specific cities, I won't remember, but where they were saying, yeah, the lines at the food pantry are like three miles long or just unbelievable like that. Um, for people who don't have the privilege of switching to a remote position or whatever the case is, um, that are really struggling after what, eight months of this? Well, and I, I my wife saw the same news story. <laughs> Do we know of anything or does anybody have any local contacts or information that we maybe could throw into the Facebook group for those of us that would like to, you know, help out in those situations? I mean, tis the season, right? Do Does anybody there's have like connections? There's, there's Joppa. So I think Joppa is always looking for food from anywhere. I know that there was a, a person who uh, was in the arts community and which doesn't really, that's irrelevant for this, but um, he he always talked about something that, he was talking about that if a misconception people have with donating food is that it can be already prepared food. And a lot of people don't know that. There must, it must fall under like the good Samaritan law. So there's some people that, you know, like restaurants that'll make way too much of whatever meal and they're able to donate it as is. It doesn't have to be individually packaged. And he said, they'll find people that'll have like a, a wedding and they'll have a ton of food left. Or I'm like, well, what are we gonna do with all this food? That that is actually able to be donated to the uh, to, to feed homeless or people that don't have uh, food available to them, food insecurity. But Yeah, the shelters will generally take that stuff. I mean, when we had like something at work and there was extra banquet food or whatever, we'd take it to the shelter nearby and they would like gladly take it off our hands.
how would everybody feel? I'm assuming we're all a part of the Facebook group, which is how we landed here, right? How would yeah. everybody feel if like we posted something where it's just like share a link to a place that I feel like sometimes we like Goodwill has completely stopped accepting stuff again because that's everybody's default. But I know that there's got to be smaller local areas that that we could be generous given. Is anybody interested in that? Is it just me that's? No, I think it's a good thing. And, and I think that um, there are there are some people that aren't part of the Choose Five Des Moines Facebook group. I'm sure of that. Um, but yeah, if you haven't joined, you want to join. I do want to encourage yeah, those kinds of discussions. I mean, it's a, if you're anywhere in central Iowa or in just Iowa or, you know, want to be part of that, you know, feel free. If you see something worth posting that's not spammish, you know, the more we can post the questions or anybody know of a good service for this, or I've got some idea, I mean, totally post like us. I mean, that's, that's kind of part of being human and being in a, in a community, especially since people that are in the fire community typically are a lot better off than a lot of other groups of folks. And I think that they're, they're more willing to give back if they take a moment to, or if they know they, they know the avenue to give back. I think that's the main thing is, is knowing what avenue to give and that might help pave that path. So yeah, it's, it'd be a great idea, Karen, to have a question posted and if anybody's got anything, Joppa is my only one that comes to mind at the moment, and I can totally post that and find a link. And if I can find some kind of the the FAQ portion of it, like what's accepted, how's it accepted, or what's the best means of getting it to them. But yeah, I think we totally should do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm just trying to think outside the box because, again, nobody's going anywhere. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I have a topic that I'd kind of like to throw out there and see if anybody, this might not resonate with anybody, but I will likely be selling a house in the Des Moines metro area in the next probably a couple months. Does anybody have any experience or feedback on selling or considering doing for sale by owner? Because it feels like this market is very ripe for not involving a realtor. Does anybody have any experience with that that they might be willing to to talk about? I the only thing I can share, which will may not be that helpful, but I'll, I'll start and maybe others have. My only firsthand experience is the first home I bought was from someone doing for sale by owner. And just based on my research, um, I was advised that if you're going to get in that situation, you should hire a real estate attorney to protect yourself. And so we did. So as buyers, um, we didn't have that, that um, additional cost with a realtor, but we did um, end up paying for a real estate attorney, which I think was still cheaper in the long run. But um that was advice we were given and I took it and I, I think that was smart, but um, so that's, that's my input. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I appreciate that. I don't really know a lot about it, but it feels like why am I going to pay how many thousands of dollars when homes are like flying off the market? Um, so I'm just trying to figure out like the ins and outs of that. I have heard about the attorney 
stuff before and that's still cheaper to hire an attorney to write up all the paperwork and all that stuff. But I just wondered if anybody had any personal experience with that. I know when uh, when I first bought this house years and years ago, <clears throat> there was no there was no realtor on our end and there was no realtor on the seller end too. And we hired an attorney to do all the paperwork and stuff. And it what I mean, I want to say it was like 400 bucks to do it all. And he, you know, he said, yeah, we do sure it's all legal and that kind of stuff. And he kind of walked us through some of that. But he said how unique that is to have no realtor on either end. He said, typically you have a realtor on one end and they're kind of the ones that help with the making sure things are done right. Because if somebody's buying the place from you, as long as it's all the, the attorney's reviewing everything to make sure all the paperwork's right and the title search and all that kind of stuff is done, then they want to make sure that the person that buys the house from you gets it gets the deal the way they should. So I would think selling the house it would be more of a benefit than the other way would you, if you bought it and then you had to wonder, did you miss something here that someday could creep back and bite you in the butt? I've also, um, I think it's, it was at first sale by owner, fsbo.com or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I think I've heard people using that one before and that a lot of your resources are already part of that. So kind of the help you with the process, the checklist part, the how to get it listed at places. Plus you can just go on to like Zillow and those kind of things. Cause I don't know how you get on the MLS for sure. But I think once you get to the MLS, then it's the, the buyer agents that are going to contact you. And as long as you've got the attorney to pay the few hundred bucks for, then you could also start that way. And if you get two, three months down and, and say, you know what, it's not working right to sell this way, then find a realtor then. But I mean, starting off that way, unless you're in a pinch to get rid of it quickly, then that might be a route just to start out with in the beginning, because you might find that works best. Well, and that's why we're thinking about doing it because it it seems like and i don't know if any of you are in the market for a home or not but with the rates being so low it seems like it's a really just intense market right now and, and you don't necessarily have to do a lot it's definitely a seller's market is what it sounds like but i also don't know anything about selling in like the winter well, the one thing, I think it's pretty universal that this time of year is very slow for home sale. I mean, even in a hot market, I, I don't think a lot, and if someone else has any other information, let me know, but generally you want to try to sell before Thanksgiving and then um, after January. So you're kind of in the, the slow period now. And I don't even know if January is soon enough. Maybe it's got to be March, but um, I think that's pretty universally accepted, and I think you can probably find plenty of um, data to, to 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 back up that thought I just provided, even in a hot market. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I would think everybody, but this year's kind of weird too, because like we were just all discussing, nobody's going anywhere, so maybe people are sitting like, oh, I realize this house is way too small for what I need right now, or my apartment's just not working out, or whatever. Just, and I heard I heard a lot of people are buying virtual too. That must be a real common theme. So if you get some really good pictures, good videos of the inside, and find a way to present this, or even kind of like Mitch has with his uh his uh whatever the camera that snaps, you can like look around. Actually, you can do that with your phone. 
So not as cool as what he has with that software, but you could do that where you stand in one location, video the or capture the entire room and then make it into a 360 view. And I, I wouldn't be surprised like that first sale by owner probably has where you can add those kinds of things to it. So then people can from the comfort of their home because they don't want to go out with the COVID. Um, they can go and look around in your house virtually and you might find a buyer just from that because they're not going from house to house to house. True too. Yeah, I get, oh, Aaron, that might be helpful. And it's just, it's firsthand experience with our best friends. They're selling a house in Urbandale right now. And I think it's going on like six weeks now. And their house is pretty much, I mean, it's in the prime range. It's like 215,000, 220, which there's, it's hard to find homes in that range. And so they've had all kinds of people interested and they've, they've now gone through two offers and accepted them and both fell through for financing at the very last moment. And this mm -hmm. is after they've already bid on a house, put earnest money down, uh, you know, a basis on them selling their house. So I don't know if that's a trend, but I just thought that was, I was so surprised because I thought most people came to the table with pre-approval and, you know, it was just once they gave you the earnest money, you could, it was just pretty much going to flow through, but they've gone through two, which they thought were pretty solid and they, they are using a realtor. And so I don't know if that's blame on the realtor as far as telling them it's a good time to accept. But so in the last six weeks in that price range, at least for their house, which is pretty prime right now, they're now they're stuck again with it back on the market and, and either having to a bridge loan to try to keep that new house they're trying to buy or going to relatives so they, or, or they're just going to lose it, I guess. Yeah. So I guess that'd be, again, don't know if it's a trend with the times, but I just thought that was really, really odd to hear that type of scenario. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Especially twice. I have heard that lenders are getting really skittish, but I don't know. Um, what that's all based off of. I know that there's a lot of business bridge loans that are that are um, late. And I think the lenders, even though interest rates are low, I think they're all starting to wonder, like, just because the person has a job today, will they have a job three months from now? Or, you know, what's their situation at this moment? So I think maybe they're changing their underwriting criteria, but great rate, but you just got to make sure that you're able to jump through a few extra hoops with that, but that wouldn't, but the realtor wouldn't make any difference with that. I mean, no. that would be a matter of, it's just trying to find ways to get it out there and then really getting it out there to the, the buying agents. So if you can find good ways to get out the buying agents or just, you know, getting on the MLS, or I think right there gets you to the buying agents. That's yeah, I don't, something else to think about. Well, my theory on the tightening of the credit, if, if that's what's happening, is I, there is a narrative out there that, there, that um, you know, we saw the 2008 housing bubble. There are people that believe we're on the, I mean, housing just, again, accelerated after we, the recovery. And there are people that think we are on the verge of another housing bubble. So if the financial institutions are thinking the same thing, that may be why they're getting a little... Um, more uptight about lending to people that are on the margins where in, you know, prior to 2008, they were giving anybody a loan that was walking around and breathing the right way. <laughs> yeah. 
So that'd be a theory in mind. I'm not in, I'm not an insider on that at all. It's just kind of stuff I read on the here and there. Well, and and I don't mean to dominate the whole conversation with this topic. Does anybody else have anything that they're been thinking about or wondering about or question? I have one. What are the year-end preparations that everybody should be making? You think of maybe rebalancing your portfolio or getting ready for new um, health enrollment, things like that. What what does a new year signal to people in this group uh, as we look to wrap up this one very quickly? Well, I'm a, I guess this is kind of rather than kind of looking forward, but looking back, usually like on New Year's Day, it's kind of my thing to like finish up all my previous year spreadsheets, print out my graphs that I have uh, established in them and whatnot, and, and then see the whole snapshot of the year with net worth, budgeting, income, spending, you name it. And then I put that in the binder and then have it ready to go. But that's kind of one thing that I do at the end of every year. Cause I, I track everything throughout the year very closely. And then I like to see that snapshot right away once the new year starts. And then the other thing too, is like for us this year, it's been, you know, it's kind of a new deal, like budgeting for having a child. We'll go back and see what we spent this year. Like, do we have to change some categories around, you know, we've got, how close did we come on what we thought we might be spending on a kid? Do we need to take that away from somewhere else or vice versa, things like that. So that's some of the stuff that we'll be looking at anyway. Well, I'm curious, Nick, to find out what, what you learn as far as spending on a kid, because they have all those studies out there about how much kids cost. And sometimes I'm like, mm, are those legit? Like, where did they get that information? I will say like, you know, 2020, there has been very little good to come from 2020 but at least for two new parents we've both been working from home not having to pay for daycare that's been huge because the daycare that we had set up was affordable compared to i mean more affordable than most that we looked at and it was still going to be like 600 bucks a month which you know for us is a lot but it's like i have friends that are spending more than that um so you know that's six months that we were going to be in daycare full time that's like over $3,000 that we didn't spend. But at least from our perspective, like having the child hasn't really been that expensive for us. Now, you know, he's not up and taking part in activities and he's not eating food like we are and stuff like that. So that'll, that'll all come later. But as far as the first nine months of expenses, we've been pleasantly surprised I'd say with how affordable it has been with having no daycare that's been huge yeah I would say daycare is probably the most expensive part I like the fact that you look back on what you did for the year does anybody else do that um we we do <laughs> and my husband has done that before he since before you met me <laughs> and he always pulls every all his end of the year statements out from january one but um 
or you know, he, like that's something he does the first week or two of the year. Uh, one of the things in our lives right now is the um, over Thanksgiving. One of the activities we did is that my older of our two kids and myself did the FASA form, and uh, so we so we got on an iPad, and it's I, I don't I don't know how many people have done one of those ever recently, but um, they're awful. I hated it. <laughs> but um it's it because you can't it's not like something he can do by himself but it's also something I can't do without him either so we had this iPad and he'd take it and then he'd hand it to me and then I'd do some more stuff and then he'd hand it to me and um and then we got pretty close to the end and um we realized his his uh 1040 from last year was in his was in Ankeny in his apartment. And uh, so he's like, well, I'll finish it up at my place. And I'm like, okay. And I was thinking, yeah, oh, he did it right away, which not always is MO. So I was really pleased about that. Um, but what I found interesting is how he he's, he's in his first year of college and next year. So we're working on the one for his next second year of college. And uh, how radically different the efc is where on, on my on our end our lives don't look any different you know what i mean like i i, I don't know it's it, we, we're such an income driven society i don't you know like everything you qualify based on your income and they're really not paying attention to the whole picture very well anyway in this case it's probably good I was going to say that I remember that from now, this was, you know, 20 years ago, but I remember that kind of concept. But at the time, I remember, and this might be why I didn't like the FAFSA kind of process, but my parents, before 529s were a thing, thought ahead and put mutual funds in my name and my brother's name for the purpose of college. And it counted against us in the FAFSA process because. They were like, oh, you have money. You don't need money. You don't need good rate. Like, so, but you're right. They don't, for the most part, I don't think, consider the whole picture. Anybody else do kind of that look back on their money? Where did it go? Kevin, I see you nodding. Nonverbals, there you go. Yeah, no, I do. Um, actually, I keep my spreadsheets quarterly. Uh, I'm not even sure why I started doing it that way, but so I could look back at the end of each quarter for the past several years and see what's the total now compared to what it was. It's fun. <laughs> if it's a good year, that's fun. <laughs> I was going to say, are there any surprises? Because, so let me give you a little background when I ask that. When I first started paying attention to money and where it was going and putting it actually, now I used Microsoft Money at the time, and that's, that thing's You're been old. gone time. <laughs> Did somebody just call me old? Yes. <laughs> Terrible. No, no, no. Aged like fine wine. That's what we're going okay. for. Okay. Aged like fine wine. Experience. Um, 
but I remember looking back one year and being like, oh my gosh, you know, they, they say, you know, show me your checkbook, show me your calendar. And I tell, I'll, I'll tell you what you value. And that was a very eye-opening experience for me because at the time, and I would always heard stories about this, but like, hadn't really thought about it. We spent the second thing that we spent the most money on in that year that we were looking back on was dining out. And I was like, that's terrible. So I'm kind of curious, like ever since that experience, like I do go back and I look and I say, where did stuff go? And what does that say about my values? Does anybody else have a similar experience to that? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's not overly official, but oh, I, I know I, I like... spent I spend a lot of time looking back on that kind of stuff and just kind of seeing what's it five years from now or five years ago or just a quarter ago or where did the money go? And I used Quicken at the time. I don't even use that anymore. But um, yeah, and, and I kind of wonder that stuff all the time, but that's a constant question we probably all have too. You know, as I've brought a turkey sandwich to work all week this week, just because I actually brought food to work, which typically isn't something I would do, but I'm sitting here eating my turkey sandwich, looking around thinking, most people are spending a ton of money on whatever, you know, going out to eat or bring big meals in. And here I am with my little turkey sandwich. But I don't know if it's a good thing, bad thing. To me, it's not a big deal. But I think it's just one of those things you reflect on, like, why exactly? And, you know, but to me, it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a, not something I value, I guess. That's, yeah, I, I think it's different for everybody. I don't think there is any right or wrong answer. It's more of that open, like, tell me a story with my money. What is my money telling me? I just find that interesting. Definitely. Chris, I kind of cut you off when you were, you were starting to talk. Sorry about that. Uh, so, yeah, I was also trying to tell something like uh, what I realized is uh, the small things like buying clothes, uh, I used to think like, okay, buying in bulk saves you money. But the thing is buying a lot of stuff, uh, you don't end up using most of them. So then I realized, okay, I spent so much money. I tried to buy cheaper discounted clothes, but actually I don't wear them. So instead of that, being minimalistic is something I realized with all the stuff, like the, not just clothes, uh, also with uh, let's say furniture or your bed or something which is like easy to move as, as well if you are, you know, uh, not owning a house right now and renting. So all of the things. So that's something I really started to focus on. It saves a lot of money and also uh, you get to buy the quality stuff instead of no, a bunch of lower quality stuff. Yeah, finding that, that enough point to know by quality to this point and then be done. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like instead of buying five shirts and end, 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 up, end up wearing just two of them and, you know, buy just one good shirt which you really like and you'll wear that more rather than, you know, those five shirts. So... And it's like, even if each shirt costs $20, you spend $100, but a good shirt, you can spend like $50 and use it more than all those five. 
So still you are saving money, you are buying good quality, expensive clothing which you like, and still not as expensive, you know, buying all the cheap 10 shoes and not using most of them. That's what many people do, like don't, don't use everything that they buy. So that's a big thing I realized. I, I do that a lot. Like, And if you go to a, a shopping mall or something, mostly the, what they do is if you buy two jeans, you get the third jeans for like 50% off or something. And then you try to, okay, uh, if I buy three jeans, it will be much more cheaper. But it's not cheaper, actually. You will like just one, but you'll buy another two because uh, uh, buying three will give you some discount. But what happens is like you just wear one of them and two of them is stacked in your closet somewhere which you never wear. <laughs> so so here's something from go about a tactic marketers use that works on like all of us. You put something on sale and then you put a limit or a number. Mm -hmm. Whatever reason, something in our brains we buy more, we're more likely to buy the limit versus if they put it on sale out that like buy three or limit six or whatever, there's something in our brain. Right. That's why you know make the shopping list and go with stick with the shopping list rather than uh, just planning, okay, let me go some clothes shopping. So or let me go some grocery shopping or let me just browse around Walmart and see what I need. If you go that way, then you'll end up buying like a lot of things that you don't need. So that happens a lot. Yeah, you do. That's also a benefit if you, um, like I've started ordering, although it's become a really big line item, maybe I need to address that, but ordering ahead from Hy-Vee on the app and just driving up and somebody brings out the groceries and there's no contact and you bring it all home. Um, like I said, that seems to be increasing every time I go, but there's less impulse buying, at least in person, because I'm not walking through the candy aisle. Right. Yeah, yeah but as they say, like, yeah, go ahead, uh, Ryan. No, I was just gonna say I definitely prefer that, like Kevin was saying. But I we usually do the the Walmart subscribe and save. And my wife also has some Sam's Club stuff she gets, but otherwise, I prefer to not walk in there. And I could care less to know if there's new things that exist that people eat. I mean, I figure as long as I've got certain basic staples, I could just keep on the app and reordering. Yep. IV will also do wine, which is an issue. Target would not. Target would not let you. Like you need to maybe reframe. That really an issue or It's a it's a double edged phenomenon. Uh, they uh yeah they will let you order any kind of wine that they have in there and bring it right out to your car. They like, like a sample. Like, hey. We got a from somewhere or a reverb. Did anybody hear that? Yeah, someone's got something. Oh, yep, there you go. Was it Can me? Oh, go ahead, Chris. 
Uh, I was just making sure it wasn't me. I just turned my mic back on. It must not have been me. No. Okay. Um, Kevin, back to your original question about things that you do at the end of the year. I definitely look back on things like everybody's talking about, mostly because of that one experience that I had. But I don't necessarily do any rebalancing because I'm huge on that, you know, index fund bandwagon and targeted mutual because I just don't know enough about that stuff. That's not of interest to me. And it just seems complex and overwhelming. So I can't say I do any rebalancing. I do like to go through and put together a tentative monthly budget for the entire year. Um, kind of considering some of the new things that might be coming along. So like in Nick's case, you know, he's got a new person at some point in time, he's going to have to pay for uh, some childcare. Hopefully, hopefully we all get out of our houses sometime soon. Um, but other things that like, I know that are coming along the way and Hey, if I'm going to have extra money, like, so I'm paid every bi-weekly. So I always budget based on two, two payments or two uh, paychecks a month. And so I basically have free money um, twice a year. So I always like to go through and be like, Ooh, how am I going to spend it? You know, but I can't say I rebalance or anything like that. Now I do, and I've started this process. I do look at my insurance stuff at the end of every year and say, did it go up? Did it go down? How long has it been? Because I know insurance companies have a tendency to creep your rates up without your like awareness. So that's something that I go back through and I say, mm, like this year I went through and based on some of the stuff I'm reading about COVID, that even if you don't have serious enough symptoms to land you in the hospital, they're having lots of cases of people having really weird like after effects of it. So I went out and I was like, I'm going to price disability insurance separate from my employer just in case something weird happens. You know what I mean? So I do do that as, as something I do on a, a yearly basis. Please, please tell me I'm not the only nerd that does that. I guess. No, maybe. that makes, it makes sense. And I think if I remember, you might have an inside track onto how insurance companies uh, change or, or enhance their pricing over time. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, I talk a lot. Um, so I was a personal finance educator for a credit union um, for a couple different years. And then I was a financial coach. So understanding how that stuff's put together and then a close family friend was an insurance agent. So I've heard some stuff here and there. So yeah, they they do. Though ironically this year because of COVID, and I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, my rates have actually gone down for my auto insurance because I'm not going anywhere and the insurance companies have noticed, hey, nobody's going anywhere. And they're trying to keep me with them by acknowledging the fact that we're going to lower your rate because you're not going anywhere. So your risk is less. Which I is thought that like was or are you just getting a rebate? That's what we've been. We've been getting rebates, but they keep the rate the same. So I got the rebate, but then this year when the actual bill came, it was also lower. So yeah, um, there is a difference, I think, between the rebate and the, the actual premium. 
Yeah, I am getting a $10 credit on my Mini Cooper insurance semi-annually, so, okay. My apologies, guys. I have to go. I have a little person standing here telling me I, I need to go do something. So it was nice to see everybody. We'll see you all again next month, hopefully. Awesome. Thank you, Karen. Bye. I hope so. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Okay. Bye. I just got a, a letter saying my homeowner's insurance carrier is no longer served by my agent, so I have to find him. I was not renewed, so I guess they're going to force me to reprice for next year. But yeah, I haven't. I I found my so-called rebates about as big as Kevin's. Like, hmm. Okay, well maybe I'll get a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard anything about whether or not I got any discount or rebates or anything. I do know that because um, I go with we have MetLife for our. Um, homeowners and and uh auto and stuff but the going through the agent for all those questions just kind of uh, i'd almost prefer just to go directly with them but they won't speak with you unless you go through the agent but um i know when i got rid of the landlord policy which i was thinking about a couple of days ago i specifically said um please send me that money you know, the whatever remaining premiums, please send me on a check because that is business money. Do not combine that with my other insurance. And that was months ago and I never got a check in the mail. So I was just thinking about that, but you know, I do wonder what kind of discount I'm getting. Plus I wonder, because Vicki was talking about it at one of the fire meetups like a year or two ago, um, the insurance companies are coming on board that you either plug something into your car and it tracks you you pay by the mile or there is a company that you download an app on your cell phone and it kind of uh learns your habits through there but then they price you based upon how often you actually drive versus just having insurance to cover you all the time so i know it's a newer idea newer concept but i wonder with the covid if that's gonna take off even more because I mean, if you might drive 50 miles this month and five miles next month and 300 the next month, I mean, how do you price that unless you're with one of those types of companies where you're constantly changing, you know, and you just need to be insured for the miles you're driving? Kind of similar to that, our insurance has like a fob that you plug in and I started at probably like June, July. And we save 30% on our auto insurance and we're just not driving a lot. And when we do, it's decent enough that we qualify for the discount. So that's cool. Yeah, we, when, we aren't there anymore, but when we were State Farm, we had that tour that little thing was in our car all the time. And it we got discount up front. And then yeah, every month they told you, they gave you a grade for your driving if you're braking too hard, accelerating too fast. And so in a way, you know, you might it might seem intrusive, but at the same time, you're not your costs aren't socialized against the person that's out there screaming, you know, through the lights and this and that. So in a way, you can affect your rate in a way you couldn't in the past. So I, I can see a benefit, even though I do understand that good grief, it seems like Big Brother's like looking over my shoulder. 
take care of phones and everything else do that so what's the difference with my insurance <laughs> basically i'm not looking forward to the moment when my 12 year old is able to start driving and seeing the rates from that but it would be nice if that's if if they have the well they do have the apps like that but um if they can break it out per person so like the cell phone app so that we're only charged for the miles she's driving where she's driving and then also kind of grading her so as long as she can be a a responsible driver then this is her rate and then we can kind of say here's your base rate if you choose to be reckless then you pay all the difference in order to drive kind of a financial incentive for her to make sure she keeps the speed down and doesn't break that fast i'll have to look into that i've got still got a couple years until that time but hopefully by then they'll have something like that hey you've made me think of something positive about 2020 no teenagers in my house have crashed any cars this year so i can't say that about 2019 <laughs> not looking forward to that I have a topic. It, it kind of goes back to what we started talking about um, based on kind of what Vickas was saying. One thing that um, I, I always struggle with, you know, kind of being frugal and this and that, but at the same time wanting to th have things that are somewhat quality based so they don't wear out faster than they should is I, I wish there was a general rule or something, and maybe someone can share some some secret that I don't know about. It's like, how do you decide, like, you're going to a big box store, and you, let's say you need, um, let's say, like, shears to trim your bushes, and the court, you get one for, like, $15, you can get one for 30 bucks, and then everything in between. I mean, do you guys always go for the $15 one? Do you, I mean... I tend to, I'll just say, I tend to fall in the middle where my wife would probably always go for the cheapest one. And I know it depends on what product I was, I, I can't think of a good example offhand, but I mean, there's been times I've been really happy that I spent a little bit more, but then there's been times where I went really cheap. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is working out great. And then the other time where I'm like, okay, we're throwing this away nine months later, we should have just spent X dollars more. I mean, how, how do you guys work all that stuff in your mind? Because I know we're all you know being budget conscious and you can always get the cheapest no matter what product we're talking about i i'm so I'd be I usually aim for the middle i aim towards the middle just because you go too cheap and you always end up with cheap typically end up with cheap and then the most expensive usually doesn't have all that much more of a benefit to it so if you just kind of go the middle of the road then that's kind of where i seem to the direction i seem to go with it and I try to also look at the warranties available for stuff and use them whenever I can. Um, even like the, you know, having a Chase Sapphire card that gives you one year warranty on uh, on anything you purchase above and beyond the manufacturer's warranty. So I know my wife's used that a few times. I think we just lost Chris. He asked the question, then he left. Oh, there you are. No, I'm still here. Someone else left. I said bye oh, to the Oh, you're now. saying bye to them. Okay, yes. <laughs> okay, Nick left us. Okay. I thought you asked your question, then you disappeared. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Anybody else have any comments? I think, think it depends a little bit on how often you use it. You know, if 
if it's a pair of shoes or boots or a kitchen tool or something I'm going to use like all the time, I, I don't, I, I'm pretty price insensitive, but if it's something you're only going to use very rarely, I'd be like, eh. Um, my dad though liked to cut wood and he was a shop teacher for 30 years and um he's a, he was a big believer in steel like anything that cut or trimmed chainsaws tree trimmers he's, because because he had bought cheaper things and then replaced them <laughs> but uh and we've stuck with that and have been pretty happy with with like chainsaws and tree loppers and those sorts of things and they are not yeah. <laughs> i know some things i sometimes something i run into is you don't know whether or not this is something you're going to continue using so yeah i run to that question too like i'm curious about french press i mean I think I spent maybe 15 bucks on it a few years ago and I still use that daily, but I don't, but I also don't even know what a nicer one would do than what I have. But I know when I was originally assessing that purchase, it was kind of like, well, I think I want to do this. And some, I didn't even know how to use it. I mean, it was talking to a coworker of mine, like, I think I'm going to get one of these. Like, oh yeah, I have one I use all the time. It's great. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'll maybe I have to look into one. So, I mean, but then I use it every day, you know, kind of like the hot water thing, which I spent way too long researching which one to get. But like that one, I spent a little extra money on. And I don't know if if I if it's a good thing I did or not, but I definitely know there was some much more expensive ones than the ones I bought, which might also be where they get you to spend more because such a thing exists. yeah actually uh, one more thing uh, so these days uh, like if you shop from amazon and stuff so they are trying to come up with their own brands like amazon basic and stuff like that walmart has same thing target has same thing so these big brands they what they are doing is like they are trying to uh, so they are actually online retail stores but they are trying to get into manufacturing uh, so what they do is like they really really make good quality stuff at a really cheaper price because they want to compete with the traditional brands. For example, for shirts, they want to compete with Kelvin Klein and uh, other uh, shirt manufacturer. So the CK would charge premium because its brand has been established, but Amazon, uh, they can make the same quality shirt and they'll sell it for cheaper price. So now they are doing that for a lot of different products and their product are really good because they haven't established their brand yet and they try to promote their own brand. So so i don't know how long these things will last but yeah definitely always there'll be some good uh, brands coming up and giving competition to the old brands in that way they actually product uh, manufacture really good stuff and they try to sell it for cheap so we can always take advantage of stuff like this every time like new coupons and uh, yeah upcoming brands which are really good uh, so yeah that's one thing I, I do for all my gadgets and stuff i go for Amazon branded stuff, uh, which is equally good quality and like half the price. Yeah, that's a good tip. I, I I tend to do that same thing where buy the the store brand of stuff. And I've also heard too, a lot of the times 
the manufacturers for the Calvin Kleins or whatever, it's the exact same manufacturer with the exact same material, and they just are running different orders for whether it's the name brand or the non-name brand, but it's basically the same quality um, of the two. They might have a little bit of a different warranty on the one versus the other, but it's, it's the exact same stuff with just a different label on it. I have a funny exception to that, though. Uh, yep. My husband used to work in the food industry, and um, he worked for a company that made oatmeal, of all things. And um, they had, so they co-packed for all the, they had Kroger oats and Target oats and Great Value Walmart oats and McCain steel-cut oats, the expensive stuff. And um, there were special extra cheap oats for the great value i i was just like oats are cheap they found some special extra cheap ones <laughs> anyway I, that always cracked me up but the beast a little suspicious of great value but i also wonder because i've they do the like the blind taste test with a bunch of different brands of stuff and they find a lot of times people when they say, okay, which one of these wines would you say is best or which one of these whatevers would you say is the best one or the you know highest brand or highest price, that they, they trick people all the time with that. So I think some of it's just subconscious. And I don't know like the, the, the quality of the oats, if, if you could even tell the difference or if it's got like different nutritional value or maybe there's less bugs in the one versus the other or what would I don't know. They came the, the main difference by a rail cart or rail truck at a time but they were they were cheaper i don't know why they were maybe it's because they bought more of them i don't know it could be yeah i think what to spend our money on in the like the quality end of things or cost of end of things i think that's something that a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about struggle with and i know i i definitely spent a line to too much time probably thinking about that kind of stuff even like the sweat set uh, sweatshirt i'm wearing right now uh, my wife's like i bought this for you from sam's club what do you think of it and i said what did it cost she's like what do you think of it and i said what did it costs and then she's like well you need something to think of it first so because she knows that based upon the price is going to be a lot of my answer but then she's like well but it's the same brand as the one that i I've worn for like 20 years. So it's, it's higher quality. And then in the end, she says 15 bucks, but I was like, well, the last time I bought a sweatshirt, it was six bucks or six or seven bucks. So I don't know, but I've also bought some really shitty sweatshirts too. So the whole <laughs> wanting it to last a lot of years, I, I definitely, that is appealing. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing, Ryan, because like, I don't like shopping. So if my wife buys me clothes, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and I put it away. I'm like, I, now I don't have to go to the mall or the store. <laughs> so so I, I, I couldn't help but laugh. I'm like, thank you. Saves me a trip yeah. out to the crazy world. <laughs> well, she knows for the most part, I won't. I mean, I, I, I wear a lot of the same things every day or I wear that are so similar to one another like like pants wise if uh if i find a pair of pants that i like uh i may wear two pairs that i just alternate for everyday stuff but i might buy a third one that i will third or fourth one that i will um keep the tags on that i'll pack away and five years from now 
I'll pull that one out when these two wear out and then I'll go with that. So she knows I've got like six sweatshirts that I'm kind of rotating out. So I got to find something to replace those. So that's why she's like, you're going from your like $7 ones that you need to start rotating out more to now she got me three $15 ones, but she assures me these are gonna last like 20 years. So, so she sold me on that part of it. But yeah, I, I don't like, I, and I'm, I'm glad I, I will say I'm fortunate to be a guy that I don't have to have uh, shirts that I may wear a handful of times that people say, oh, that's a cute shirt because it's got a such and such saying on it or a, you know, I like the, the fluffle part of it or what it is. Because no, that's, <laughs> I've got like a black and gray wardrobe for the most part. So anybody else got any topics? We can always wrap things up early too, that's an option. Um, or I can wander and talk about random topics, uh, notes I took at different times. If anybody needs a, a, a tree service in the Des Moines area, uh, if I didn't mention it last month, uh, Lynn's Tree Service, uh, excellent, excellent job, excellent customer service. And something I found very interesting from talking to them, is they prefer to work in the winter to cut down trees and trim trees. I would have thought the exact opposite, but he's like, yeah, everybody assumes that we wouldn't wanna work in the winter. He said, I would much rather uh, climb a tree that doesn't have leaves, isn't hot. And I guess there's a, a big bug problem when you get up in a tree. So he said, yeah, we prefer to, to cut them during the winter. So uh, had my front tree that was definitely damaged from the deratio, they would have trimmed a bunch of bad branches off for 150 bucks and removed them and everything too. But um, they said, your tree is not, I mean, it's you got five years of the most in that thing. So if you read just completely remove it, they removed it and hauled every bit of it away. And they even went through and blew all the, all the uh, sawdust and everything away too for 700 bucks. And they also let me know if you ever have any tree branches by your power lines, they, you know, the, the utility companies come out and, and trim those trees anyway, just for their sake. But if you ever want to remove that tree that's next to the power lines, uh, if you call or you go to their website for Mid-American Energy and you fill out the, like a, the tree form or whatever it is, I actually filled it out and you make sure to use the words make safe program. And if you talk about the, hey, I'd like this tree removed through the make safe program, he said, not only will they remove a good chunk of the branches in the tree because it's that's part of their safety thing. He said, they will have a lineman come out there to drop your, your main line for free to remove the rest of the branches. And then they'll re-hook up your power for free. So then all like Lynn's tree service, he said, then you just tell them, here's who I'd like to use. And you get a form from them. So I don't know, it's a before we just kind of say, okay, hey, I got approval from Mid-American Energy through the Make Safe program. And then um, like Lynn's Tree Service can come out and just remove the remainder of it. And he said it, it, you save a ton of money versus trying to figure out how to remove a tree that's anywhere near power lines. Anybody else have any topics or, you know, we can always call it too or Hope uh, Karen posts that on uh, the Des Moines Choose Phi Facebook page, or I might post it if nothing else. Earlier question. 
Sounds like we might be out of topics. That's what I was thinking. That the, the, I'm going to take the silence as we're we're, <laughs> we're out of topics, or or as uh, somebody told me recently, I think everybody's just zoomed out, and they because they, they're they're talking about they don't know if we'll get a big turnout tonight because they said you know everybody's just zoomed out. They're on so many uh, video calls and things like that. Just less of that is what people want right now. <laughs> but I am glad we still got a decent turnout for for the night, and uh, it still holds with our whole first Thursday of the month where we all get a chance to touch base and ask questions, see what's on everybody's mind. And, you know, like next month we can ask Karen how things are going with uh, the sale of her house and hopefully she chooses a for sale by owner and it works well. Well, it'll be after the new year before uh, we'll talk to everybody. Vickis, I think you're getting ready to say something? No, no, I'm, I'm good, thank you. Okay. As I say, it'll be uh, after Christmas and New Year before we'll get together again. So everybody have a, a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And um, I look forward to a very different and much better 2020. But I also know I'm grateful for a lot of things that still took place this year. So I think uh, grounding us a little bit was worked well. And I, I know that uh, at least uh, our group, most of us can say we're very fortunate to have jobs through all this and uh, being able to put food on the on the table and, and pay the bills. So, you know, thinking about that this Christmas is definitely something that'll be on our mind. And hopefully after Karen posts that, we might all kind of jump on there and maybe help out a little bit with helping people with food insecurity. All right, well, happy holidays, everyone. Yeah, thanks. I'll see you guys later. Yeah, see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.